Welcome to the Living Word. I am Sarah Jala Emanuel, an evangelist of the Lord Jesus Christ. We began a new series of teachings uh, entitled Who is on the Lord's Side? And this stems from a personal burden that's been placed on my heart by the Lord Himself concerning true worship, concerning true religion for the sake of using the word religion because Christianity really is not a religion. Christianity is the way of life established by the sovereign God himself and through his son our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So uh, we have the introduction and the first lesson in this series which uh, is going to be a very long series because there's a lot of ground to cover. A lot of ground to cover, a lot of topics to discuss, a lot of matters to discuss and search the scriptures for truth because unfortunately um, without the truth of God and without a submission and obedience to the authoritative word of God the infallible word of God the inerrant word of God we cannot get anywhere in our Christianity we cannot get anywhere in our faith it is not enough to confess Jesus as Savior and Lord and walk apart from him or walk in disobedience it is not enough. That does not make a Christian. And uh, looking around us today in the African church, which is the case in point at this particular time, um, there are many professing Christians who really are not Christians at all. What we have is a whole lot of deluded persons. And we're talking of hundreds of thousands and even millions of people. Uh, take, for instance, the Catholic church is um, said to have over 2 billion members, but these are over 2 billion people under false teachings. Over 2 billion people who majority simply are not saved. They cannot be saved because um, they, they've been wrapped up and um, in false teachings and um, have submitted themselves to false teachings and all sorts of um, religiosity that will get no one anywhere near God or his kingdom or get anyone into the kingdom of God. It is not about religious practices. And you know, the uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 16 says, A man who strays from the path of understanding comes to rest in the company of the dead. Now, we're not just talking about the physically dead here. I mean, there is the element of that, because we all will live, and um, in the comp a person who strays from the path of understanding, comes to rest in the company of the dead. Yes, sin, the wages of sin is death. However, the spiritual death is the greater thing. It's, it, because the the word death is, means separation. That's really all it is. The separation. When we die from the world, we are separated from the world. But dying spiritually, we are eternally separated from God. And that is exactly what we all need to be concerned about. So we're going to continue this um, series, the uh, first lesson in the series. We had the introduction the last time, and so we start on the first lesson, and we have a lot of ground to cover. But before we do so, let's uh, have a word of prayer. Almighty God and Father, we thank you. We thank you, Sovereign King of all the earth, for your greatness and your goodness, for your loving kindness and mercy, for your grace. We thank you, Sovereign King, for the amazing works of your hands, of which men are chief. We thank you, O Lord our God. For the life you breathe into us, we thank you for your great plan of salvation through your only begotten Son, our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word, O Lord our God, delivered to us, for our freedom, for our liberation, yes, indeed, for our peace and joy, the word that brings us away from the darkness of the world into your glorious light. We pray, O Lord, that as we speak your word today, I pray, eternal King of glory, that you speak through me, make me a channel of your peace, your love and your victory and I ask that you prepare every heart that shall listen as good soil O God that when the seed of your word is sown it may germinate multiple fold and be fruitful and change lives quicken the dead open the eyes of the blind open the ears of the deaf and father give praise and adoration from the tongue that is dumb May you be glorified, O Lord our God, through all that we do say and think. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today we're going to discuss the matter of religion, you know, religious practices, because um, Africans, you know, all over the world, you know, in Africans back on the continent, Africans in the diaspora, 
Africans are generally very religious people. Very, very religious people. They're always busy worshipping one thing or the other. Be it Christ Jesus, you know, the eternal God, or idols, or or any other kind of God in existence that are really no gods at all. But um, Africans are very religious people. I don't know, maybe that stems out of the hardship and difficulties that um, we have faced as a people of whatever the reason may be God calls all everyone anyway to submission to him and so we have the religious religiousness uh, of Africans as a as a people and we have the atheists I mean they claim they're atheists as well you know the free thinkers and all you know they say they don't worship God they don't believe in God but then they worship their own emotions and they worship their own feelings so everybody's called to worship something and you know why because God himself has put in us he created us in his own image and likeness not just not to say we physically look like God because God is spirit we are not spirits we are we have been formed with flesh and bone we have blood running through our veins and fluids so um when we when the bible says that god created us in his own image and likeness it's not saying that we look like god because in that case there's such a diversity then to god's face because we have different people and different nations different skin types different colors different hair types who exactly does god look like i know we have a bunch of um funny minded people who carry on about god is black jesus is this color jesus is all that is so irrelevant. God created every person. We ourselves have brought all the prejudice and, and, and racism into the world. It's part of the sinfulness of man. We have come up with foolish and idle notions that do nothing but promote strife. That is what we do. We're just that evil. God created all. He is God of all. However, because of our sinfulness, God himself put a plan in place to deliver unto himself, save, preserve for himself a remnant of people, to be his own, to dwell with him forever, because he created us in the first instance for his own purpose, for his own glory, for his own pleasure. And we wandered away from the purpose of God because of sinfulness, selfish ambition, you know, having uh, listened to Satan, the enemy of God, an enemy of our souls, rather than follow the commands of God. We started with Adam and Eve when um, in the Garden of Eden, most of you would know that story, where God gave them of every tree of the garden to feed on as they pleased, but forbid them from touching just one, just one tree. And that's the tree, you know, we bore the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, Satan came along and said, did God say you were going to die if you ate that? And uh, Eve said, no, well, he didn't say, he said we could eat anything, but he did say we will die if we touch that particular tree. Satan goes, you will not die. God knows. God, he knows. He knows that when you, when you eat of that tree, that particular tree is banned you from. He knows when you eat of it, you're going to be like him. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. You're just going to be like God. And um, of course, Eve um, found the idea of being like God very appealing. You see, we've always strived to be outside the control of God. Selfish ambition right from the start. You know, wanting to outdo our maker, wanting to, to, to go beyond what has been afforded us. We've always been like that uh, from Adam and Eve. And so they did that, and that caused the, the fall of man. And of course, Adam being a husband who wasn't there immediately, the sin was committed, came along shortly after and was um, convinced by his wife to partake in the sin, and he did exactly the same thing. You know, he didn't use the discretion of um, being the man, being in control, being in charge. He fell, you see. Men have always been in the practice also of falling for the trickery of women. Very sad. And, you know, you can imagine now why God forbids in the, in the New Testament, why women are for, forbidden from leading church groups. And um, we see a lot of women leading church groups today. I'm yet to find any true one, any, any truly holy woman leading church groups. I've seen a lot, and we're talking now, you know, worldwide. It, it is not the call of women. Yes, we are called to teach and preach in certain instances. I have a ministry. I also made the mistake of thinking at the beginning of my calling, 20, 21 years ago, I made the mistake of thinking that because I was called to preach and to teach, that meant I was meant to lead a church. And for a while I did, 
but I was never happy within myself. I knew there was something wrong because I've always regarded the word of God as final and I could not reconcile that. I knew I had a calling. I was sure about my calling, but I couldn't understand because the Bible said a woman should not lead in the church. And I'm thinking, here I am leading the church. What is going on? It took me years to... um, come to the understanding when God made it clear that yes you are called to preach and to teach however not in the capacity of leading a church so here I am and I thank God for that because he does not lead us blindly and he he will always call us back from the way of error so women yes I've always been a snare I must say I am a woman too but you know a godly woman is not a snare to anyone and so that is what we need to um to to strive to be if you're a woman, we need to strive to be that. And if you're a man, you need to look out for a godly woman. But then you need to be godly as well to complement that. But anyway, coming back to where we were um, on the matter of um, re- religiosity, we're going to look at a text from the Bible. Now, you may know that false religion. There is nothing new under the sun. Everything we see today has been, has always been, and um, always will be until until the return of our Lord to take his own people away from the earth before the final destruction of the earth which is as certain as we're going to have a new morning tomorrow it is what god has asked that is what god has ordained will happen and it will surely happen and so for that reason we need to understand where we are what god desires of us what god requires of us and um, this is where the word of god is very very important us we're called not to be religious people but we're called to be we're called to be a people belonging to God a people separated unto God you see this is this is what we're called to be that is what Christianity is that's what Christianity is and um, it's not just running around practicing religion hoping for the best a lot of people are in church at best, for the purposes of uh, getting something out of God, they've been told that God does miracles, God does amazing things. Oh, yeah, if you draw near to God, you get, um, you, you'll be rich, healthy, and wealthy, and everything will be wonderful. You'll have a fantastic marriage. You'll have children. You know, you you have a fantastic career. You'll be you, all those things. These are not the reasons we come to God. Well, these are certainly not the reasons we are called to come to God. We come to God for salvation. We come to him because we are sinners, destined for death and judgment. The Bible says it is appointed once for man to die, and after that, the judgment. We come to God because that judgment we can avoid through the sanctifying work of Jesus Christ, through the salvation that's been offered to us by God, of his own volition, out of his great mercy and love. And Jesus left his majesty in heaven, being God the Son, left his majesty in heaven he's called equal with God he's called equal with his God he left his majesty in heaven and came to dwell amongst us we were so and we still are so impure so unclean so unworthy so evil so wicked so full of darkness the world itself is darkness because of us and what we do and what we have done and still continue to do wallowing in sinfulness and godlessness but Jesus Christ our Lord came. He came. He showed us the right way. He taught us of God. He gave us revelation of the kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of God to us. And he offered us salvation. He offered us salvation free and fear. And um, so he called us to himself. And he condemned throughout his ministry on earth. There were three years of ministry that the Lord had here in the world. He died very young, was killed by us, as it turned out, not because we were able to, but because he had to give himself. He let himself be killed by us. It wasn't so much we perfected our plan. It was him letting us do what we had in our mind to do, (laughs) evil. But in spite of all that, he he forgave us, and he still does. And it still causes them to insult. But that sacrifice was necessary because God is a just and holy God. And there is no way there will be an atonement for sin without the spilling, the sacrifice of blood. In the past, we, we, we had the Israelite people, the Jewish people, we had them as an example of what it is to have God as your God and King and how to live to please God 
And we have all the Old Testament there for us to study, to understand how we could live to please God or how we can displease God. We've got both instances there. We read about the relationship of God with Israel, the people he called out to make his own case study, to show the rest of the world what the true worship of God will be like, what it will be like to have God as your God. And they failed woefully, as people are still failing today. But in there we can see the relationship of God and his people. And we will do well to relate that to ourselves today because it's not just there as history. Christianity is the only religion. I really don't like using the word religion, but for the sake of grammar or English, we'll say that. That has history behind it to back it up. Live history. We still have the Jewish people today. So... We have that. So it applies to us all. They were a type. It was all to do. They they, they were the examples. God chose them in the same way that today he has chosen the church, the Christians. However, is it everybody who comes and claims to be a Christian that is a Christian? Is it everyone who belongs to a church group that is a Christian? Definitely not. As a matter of fact, I can I feel justified when I say that the majority of people in the church today are not Christians. So let's look at what happened. In Isaiah chapter 1, now this matter of false religion that is displeasing to God, we see what happened with the past with the Israelites. They loved God. They claimed to love God. They knew he was God. They knew his, they had his laws. They had his commands. They had it all. They had the prophets. They were the only nations in the world who had... The you know, mouthpieces from God, the prophets. They had it all. They had seen miracles, their forefathers and all, they'd seen miracles. They'd seen God in action. God dwelt among them in, in, in many ways. And he'd done a lot for them. But then let's see what they turned to. In Isaiah chapter 1, we read from verse 10, from verse 10 to 20, we're going to read of Isaiah 1. And it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices. What are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us, reason, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That was a very strong message to the religious people, nation of Israel. In the days of Isaiah the prophet. They, as far as they were concerned, they were doing everything right. They brought their offerings because God had put in place uh, all sorts of offerings that were to bring before the altar of God in the temple for all kinds of uh, sin, thanksgiving, fellowship offerings, all sorts of offerings. And yes, indeed, God had stipulated those things that they were to do those things. But then there come a point where they just went to the flow. They did all the right things, but their hearts were far from God. Their hearts were far from God. So when we think, when, when he started saying, hear the word of the Lord in verse 10, you rulers of Sodom, listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now Sodom and Gomorrah physically had been destroyed before that time. So in saying that, in referring to them as that, God is calling them sinners, vile people with vile practices, because that's what the people, inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah were before they were destroyed. And they were destroyed never to be raised again. Of course, I mean, today we have many people still, um, in fact, the world more and more is embracing the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is human beings for you. They're like um, a a, a sow that is washed, that goes back uh, to wallowing in the mud, according to the Bible, or or like a dog that returns to eat up his own vomit. That's what a lot of people in the world are, people who would 
embrace. More and more today, the political leaders, societies, the governments are embracing evil as good. Embracing evil as good. I mean, the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, they pale now in comparison to the sins going on in the world now of sexual perversion and immorality. It's, it's alarming. I can almost consider the, you know, people of Sodom and Gomorrah almost as saints because now we've gone, us, we've gone several steps further than them. We've gone several steps. I mean, not just now, just the unnatural relations you know, of men and women and homosexuality and all such a thing. And, and that now it's gone worse. Now people are changing their sex. Now people are, you know, are being transvestites and all sorts of insanity. All sorts of, there's much demonic possession in the world now. But anyway, not to detract from that. For God re- referring to them as that, the rulers, he's talking here of even the leaders of the society of Israel, the nation. Even their leaders were just as perverse and corrupt. And yes, they were doing the right things, bringing the right, um, uh, uh, bringing in the right um, sacrifices. They thought we'll just go, you know, we'll we'll give the offerings and it's fine. We can carry on our sinfulness as long as we bring the prescribed offerings that God has asked for. Everything's fine. We just have to bring. So it was no problem bringing their bulls and bringing their their goats and bringing all the sprinkling the blood all over the place. And God said to them, "What is the meaning of all this? I hate your evil assemblies." You all come together, everybody's mind on different things, you all unholy, impure, obviously the teachings they were even hearing must have been perverse, as perverse as a lot of teachings we hear today. So God was not pleased with the assemblies. He said, get out of my sight with the offerings and things. Who needs all this? Is that what I'm asking you for? Blood of bulls and rams and goats? Am I not asking you for a change of heart? Repentance. That's what repentance means. A change of mind, a change of heart. God was not impressed. Sadly, today people still think that God is impressed with a lot of religious practices. So we come together nowadays, it's all been modernized. You know, we bring in all kinds of offerings, this offering, that offering. Now, the pastors who are proclaiming or are teaching all this and advocating it are just stealing from you. They're just stealing from you. They don't address the matter of sinfulness anymore. They tell you, you've got to be in this program, this program. Program upon program upon program. Every day of the week, there's one program or the other in the church. And people come. And the more you come, the more money you part with. And they tell you, you know, it's all offerings. You can't get anything out of God until you put this offering. You, you know, God wants you to pay this money. God wants you to sow this seed. God wants you to sow that seed. Oh, yeah, bring your tithes. Bring your offerings. Bring your this. And it's even so, it's got, the match has gone so bizarre that we even have pastors standing saying, oh, God wants to make 100 millionaires, so everyone is going to put down 100,000 pounds. And such foolishness. Such foolishness. And people believe it. Why do they believe it? Because they're greedy. Oh, yes. There is no reason to believe such nonsense that is so unbiblical. Because, like I always say, if it is not in the Bible, don't listen to it. Don't consider it and don't practice it yes as a people of God we are called to generosity but not in the bizarre manner it's done now and not because of what we want to get out of God you cannot buy favors from God you cannot buy salvation you cannot buy the fruit of the womb from God you cannot buy a marriage partner from God you cannot buy a a, a business success from God. You cannot buy a, a wonderful profession or progressive pro, profe, profession from God. You can't buy anything from God. And these rogue preachers that we have today, with all the big names, the superstars of Christianity, people call them the heavyweights of Christianity, where do they get such foolish ideas? There's nothing, there's no one who's a superstar of Christianity. God has no heavyweights. We are all on equal playing field as brothers and sisters, even as our Lord said in chapter 23 of Matthew. Jesus said, you are all brothers. Let none of you on earth be called father. You are all brothers. And those of us who have got a duty to preach and lead the people of God through the teachings of of scripture have a very, very, very heavy task on our hands. And it's not an easy task. You know why? Because um, we must be seen to be practicing what we preach. God hates hypocrisy. God absolutely detests hypocrisy. 
So you must be sin to be practicing what we preach. And that lays a very, very heavy responsibility on us. A very, very heavy responsibility. But today we have the so-called servants of God, the, the false ones. They stand there, you know, as though they were God himself. And they tell you what to do. They give the command, they give the orders, but they are exempt. They make you part with all your money. Well, you know, in the name of seeds and, you know, sort of, I don't even know, something to be bribes to, you know, to, to, uh, for God to free people of their sins because they take money from the most corrupt uh, elements of society. I mean, Nigerians, for instance, Nigeria, for instance, not just Nigerians, there's many Africans who do this, many aspiring African leaders, you know, they make, um, for instance, there's a, there's, a, there's a cult in Nigeria called the Synagogue Church of All Nations. Some guy called, well, I don't know if they call him pastor or whatever they call him, uh, Temitope Joshua. I've never known a bigger charlatan. Well, there are many of them, you know, Africa's um, so filled with them. And, you know, aspiring presidents and, you know, political, um, <laughs> uh, 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 politically ambitious people, they make their pilgrimage to this rogue of a prophet for prayers and deliverances so that they can win their elections and things like that. He's got them coming from all over the place. And the practice is very, you know, it's very good. We have all the rogue politicians in, in the country going before kinds of so-called pastors and geos, you know, and we have them all, all these so-called pastors and geos who are politically affiliated. What is the business of any minister of God with politics or politicians? But they, 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 they want it. They, they are so happy. They crave it. So they're making foolish predictions as to who God said is going to win what elections. How many times have they failed and been put to shame? But they're shameless. They continue, you know. Jesus, they say that, um, our Lord said that uh, Satan is the father of lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. He's got no shame. And so his followers have got no shame either. Yes, his followers Anybody who preaches false doctrine is a servant of Satan, not a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christian, Christendom today, you know, for the use of that word, is full of them. It's nothing new. We were warned by scripture that it was going to happen. So why people act shocked and behave like they're ignorant of it, I don't understand. We want severally through the New Testament by the apostles of our Lord that this is going to happen. We are going to have this, all these imposters in there. There's going to be a lot of apostasy. There's going to be a lot of rogue preachers, false teachers. Now the world is awash with them. And what really irks me is their followers. When these people are caught, men and women, when they are caught in all kinds of atrocities and ridiculous crimes and sins, what do their followers do? They applaud them and back them up and um, they blame the devil. Oh yeah, they blame the devil for, 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 for all the disgusting acts that their pastors or fathers and mothers in the Lord, as they call them, are caught in. How can you excuse that? So, the church is full of imperfect people, granted. But are we an imperfect people who sit around and wallow in imperfection? No, we're not. We're an imperfect people who are striving for perfection, striving for, for gaily for more Christ-likeness in us. That is the reason we're called. That is what we're saved for. You think God is wanting to spend eternity with a bunch of selfishly ambitious, greedy, malicious, immoral people? No, he doesn't. He is a holy God. And he commands us to be holy because he is holy. So, we have the people here with all the religious practices God said get away from me when I will not when you spread out your hands in prayer I will I will hide my eyes from you even if you offer many prayers I will not listen is that surprising why do we have a lot of professing Christians today so restless that's why they go from crusade to crusade to to crusade they're in every convention or so-called revival that is, um, or, or, uh, that is offered by any professing servant of God, especially the ones with the big names who have been able to establish their rogue trading very well. They're all over the place. We get them coming from different countries, different continents. You know, 
the, the, the likes of Benny Hinn and uh, Reinhard Bonnke and people like that. We got them all coming and they all collude together. They come together and hold their foolish and empty meetings and conventions and you all buying tickets to attend. You get them all together, the Creflo Dollars and TD Jakes and the whole lot of them. And you call them all servants of God. What's your problem? Can you not search the scriptures? There is no new criteria for the calling of servants of God. It remains the same. God's standards have not been watered down to a bunch of self-seeking, ostentatious, living rogues who live affluent lives buying private jets and building private estates upon estates, setting up business with the funds that come in that they're able to, 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 to wrench out of the hands of members in the church. They're establishing business empires, got them all over Nigeria, got them, Chris Oyakilome and all the fake miracles, Pastor Adeboye, well, Bishop Oyedepo, the one who um, delights in catching witches. Well, they all sort of uh, do that nonsense. They all see, see witches everywhere. They see demonic spirits everywhere. But they themselves are the ones who are actually possessed by demonic spirits. But of course, they um, divert that sort of attention from themselves by uh, being the ones who are picking at witches. There are too many of them. Too many of them to me to, 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 to name they're all over the place. These are people who, when discerning people, look at them, consider their actions, see their way of life, talk evil against God. And their followers are happy to keep following them. And they blame everybody. They attack people who speak against their foolish living. People who speak against their deceitfulness. They are attacked instead. And, call, and, and, and you know, they're quoting, Oh, touch not God's anointed. Yeah, don't judge. God alone judges. Sh sh shut up about that, please. Just don't come to me with such empty arguments. It's, it's such a vain, vague, ridiculous, unspiritual argument. Absolutely unspiritual, ridiculous argument. The Bible makes clear that these people are coming. The Apostle Paul had no issues with naming and shaming, and that's why I have no qualms about it either. If I know a person's a fake preacher, I will say so. I'll say it to their face if I had the opportunity to. And we can pick up the scriptures and search it together. And they can tell me where they fall in line with the other servants. With the servants approved by God in the scriptures. There is no new style of preaching that has been invented. There is no new gospel. And there is no new standard for servants of God. Look at the lives they live. How are they any different from the other people, the unscrupulous people in the world. Who are only ever after material things and will do anything would crush anybody, would do anything, would go to any lengths to amass wealth. What is the difference between those people of the world and the so-called ministers of God that we have in what they call the church today? I don't call church everything that is called church. I don't. Well, because church, the word church, is a collection of people called out by God unto himself. And what's the purpose for which they're called out? Let's look at that. In um, Romans chapter 8. And then you tell me if you can see anywhere in there. The, you can fit in miracle hunters, breakthrough seekers. Let's look at it. Uh, Romans chapter 8 from verse 28. I'm going to read to 30. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Those God foreknew. So that's the doctrine of the election. God knows those who are his own. He knows those who are destined, who he has foreknown and predetermined, pre-elected for his great salvation. Now, I don't know who they all are. I only know the ones that I have seen truly converted. I don't know who is yet to come, but I know there are many yet to come. And this is the task of all preachers. We don't know who is yet to come. So we preach the word to bring the, to, to invite the people in 
to the kingdom of God. We'll preach the word. We can't make anybody come. And that's the folly of many preachers who will stand and tell you how many souls they've won for Christ and how many souls they, they put it on their billboards when they advertise their shows, their shows of shame, where they fleece you of every penny you've ever worked for. They put it on the billboards, how many souls they've won. No, they put it there as part of their credentials. When they list, they put all the photos of them, a collection of rogue traders. We have an annual one that goes on in London. Well, quite a few of them, but there's a very prominent one called the Gathering of Champions. I call it the Gathering of Charlatans, really. You know, that's run by KICC, Matthew Ashimolowe, another great big businessman who has taken the name of the Lord of God uh, and God in vain in robbing people. And what do they do? They collect and they build massive business empires. They build house upon house and estate upon estate and all sorts of things like that for their own benefit. And then they start putting their children also as pastors and things. Because why? Why are they doing this? Because it's their own private business empire. They're not the church of God. The church of God has never been a family business. We don't see that in the, in the, in the scriptures. It's never been a family business. But this is what we have today. They've got their own private estates there or businesses there so they put their children in charge as soon as the children are able to speak they are doing them as pastors and tell you it is the doing of God and the followers the idolatrous followers continue to bow down before them do you know what you need to repent of the sin of idolatry if you see your pastor in such high esteem that you cannot check his life you cannot you cannot even be bothered to compare his life his teachings his way of life with the holy scriptures you've got a problem you you are practicing idolatry because you see such a minister such a false minister as above the laws of god and you know they're perished they're perishing they're perished they will perish and so will you who follows them there is only one master jesus said and he is the christ there is only one father and he is in heaven so all those fathers and mothers in the Lord that you are carrying about the world and bowing down before and honoring and loving so intensely that you, can't, you refuse to see their fault no matter what they are caught doing. Do you know, Peter said to us that judgment was going to begin in the house of the Lord. So when these people are exposed, when their sexual misconduct or financial misconduct and immorality and things like that are exposed... Why does he not? Why do you not think or consider that it is God exposing his enemies? Why is the first thing that people think of is the devil? Is the devil trying to bring down pastors' ministry? The devil rising against the man of God? What is the problem here? Every servant of God, any true servant of God, I'm sorry, must be beyond reproach. When we go back all the way to the Old Testament, consider all the prophets that were used of God, and we come all the way through to the New Testament. Consider all this, all the servants, all the apostles. Now, we're not talking here of Judas. Judas was called, yes, it was part of the initial 12, called for that purpose, son of perdition. He had it all in him. It was going to happen and he got what his end deserved. Okay. But look at all the others, all the other apostles and the, and the few prophets in the New Testament. How many of them were caught in any kind of misdemeanor? Every servant of God, every prophet, apostle. I'm not talking about the kings and the judges. There are people of the, the, those were people of all kinds of characters that God used, and He would give them of His spirit while He wanted to use them or not. But we're talking about the actual prophet, all the mouthpieces of God. Yes, the mouthpieces of God. How many of them were caught in sexual immorality, in financial misconduct, in any kind of crime? Not one. Not one. Do you now think that the sovereign God, the almighty, holy, pure, perfect God, has now watered down his standards, that he has servants and accommodates mouthpieces, that are so carnal, so materialistic, so vain, so greedy, that they are spending money, they are bringing, using every kind of trickery and every kind of brainwashing, even hypnotism, to extort lots of money out of 
the congregation and followers and getting involved with corrupt members of society, be they politicians or, or drug pushers or armed robbers or fraudsters, all sorts of people who bring in big monies into their fellowship in the name of seeds and offerings and gifts and tithes just so they can curry favor with God. Do you really believe that the holy almighty sovereign God who reveals and so has revealed himself in scripture do you really think he has those sort of servants do you really believe that he receives and accepts such servants do you really believe he calls anyone like that who has not repented now i'm not talking about what the lives that people lead before they come to know christ i have a lot of sins i had a lot of baggage before i came to know the lord but he called me he told me what to do. I dropped them at his feet, relieved them and carried and picked up his cross instead. Yes, I picked up the cross and I thank him because I have not looked back. And he gives me the strength. The temptations are always there. There's no doubt about it. The temptations are always there. To want to get rich, to want to have wealth, to want to have partners. I mean, especially for those of us who are single, it's even greater temptation. It's there for sexual immorality. The temptation is there to, to, to dress beautifully and, and own designer things and own expensive Rolexes and big cars and build houses. Oh yes, it's always there. These appetites are inborn in every human being. To live big, have wonderful things, collect amazing things. I used to play the national lottery even before I knew the Lord. With the dream of winning so many millions. I mean, I didn't immediately stop as soon as I met him. It took me a little time. To come to the realization that, you know, so what am I supposed to do with all this money? What is the need for it? I have got one that I've got wealth in heaven that the world cannot, the richest person in the world cannot afford. Why do I need all this money to live affluently? That's not the way of the Lord. It would only turn my heart from God. When you're able to realize that your, your personal and selfish ambition and your greed will turn your heart away from God, you're on your way. So, I'm not talking about the lives these people lived before they came to know the Lord. But then you find that a lot of them actually picked up these crazy lifestyles of ostentatious living only after they became ministers. Well, I say ministers, they're not even servants of God. I don't really know how to re refer to them really. Rogue traders, I suppose, or rogue preachers would be a better <laughs> description. It's only after they established what they call church and started getting money out of uh, out of um, the people in extraordinary amounts that they started living all these crazy lives of private jets and private helicopters and fleets of cars and the very best cars and you know custom built cars and designer wear. They none of them had all that wealth before they started, and don't tell me that it is God rewarding His servants. Because, you know, people talk as if we are the first generation of humans to discover wealth and affluence. All that existed right from the very beginning of creation. From the very beginning of creation, we've had the wealthy. The apostles, they lived the most modest life. So did all the other prophets. When you are called by God, you are called apart from the world. You are called, you drop every selfish ambition. You drop every idle notion of worldliness. You drop everything. You actually despise all things worldly. And your heart is focused on all things heavenly. Your only ambition is to serve God, to bring God glory. These people bring the, na they bring the name of God to shame. Many people people are cursing God because of them. People are maligning the, the gospel of Christ because of them. People are maligning the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because of them. And you call them God's servants, you are going to be wrapped up in their sins in the same way they are. And you're going to come to the same end unless you turn your heart to Christ alone. Why is it? Why must you keep following them? What is the problem? Why can you not see Christ? Because you're not looking for Christ. You follow them because they're making you lofty promises that they cannot bring to pass. They encourage you to bring money and pay for this and sow seeds for that and God wants to create this millionaire. God wants to... What's all that for? Where do you see anything like that in the Bible? God does not take payment for anything he does for us. I mean, let's think about it. Let's come back down to basics. The sovereign God created the heavens and the earth. 
the magnificence of the earth. You want to see how wonderful the work of God is. If you can't immediately consider it, as you look at yourself and think what a beautiful creation you are, because God has created you, compare yourself to the animals. You can think. You can make decisions. You can build things. You can create things. You can do things. You can worship God. Consider yourself, if you don't think that is wonderful enough, you can procreate. You, 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 you can influence other people. Well, positively or negatively. Just consider yourself. If you don't think your life, your very existence is an amazing phenomenon from God already. Look at the skies. Look at the clouds. Look at the sunshine, the moon, the stars. Look at it all. Look around at you. At the trees. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the animals. Just look at it. Turn on the TV and watch some nature programs. And see the waterfalls, see the thick forest, the rainforests. Look at the, on, the, the sea life. When people take the trouble to go underneath the sea and show us the magnificence of the oceanic world. Consider all that. Now, having created all those things, <laughs> everything, the full magnificence of the earth, the mountains, the hills, the valleys, you know, the coral reefs, everything. God created everything. So it was all good. He then created man, mankind, in his own image and likeness. And decided it was all very good. It was for his pleasure. Now my question to you now is, whilst you're considering, whilst you're being convinced and confused by rogue preachers that um, you need to sow certain seeds for God to give you this and for God to do something in your life. How much did we pay God, we as humanity, how much did we pay him for all this magnificence of um, everything I've been talking about, of the creation of the world? We have everything here to eat and drink for our pleasure. Yes, we've got all kinds of food. Whether you be vegetarian or, or a meat lover like me, you know, I love seafood as well. It's all there. And never mind all the alarm that's always constantly being raised, you know, by the know-it-all <laughs> people of the world who tell us we're going to run out of fish by a certain time, we're going to run out of cattle by... What they're talking about, can they tell you of the beginning of the, of the sea life? Or, you know, can they tell you? They can't. Well, yet they think they know when it's all going to end. They just love raising the lamb. I never pay attention to those things. I deal with God and that's as far as it goes. He's sovereign. He knows all things. He can do all things. He sustains the earth. Not any scientist or any man or any government. So I don't really care about them. Now, how much did we pay God for that? For the gift of procreation whereby we have increased and increased and increased and the world is full of billions and billions of us. How much did we pay God for all that? We breathe his air without oxygen, without the air that God has given. We will all be dead. How much did we pay him for that? We, we, we eat of the fruit of the earth, you know? Vegetation, fruits, all watered by God. You know, yes, we do farming, yes, yeah? God-given skills. But even where we're not there to farm these things, I mean, going to the deep forest and everything's growing normally, all the animals are fed, all the insects are fed. I mean, how many times have you gone out to feed any ants? As a matter of fact, when we see flies trying to feed on our food, we spray them dead. I'm always doing that. Can't stand that, you know. But, um, so, how much, how, how much effort do we make to sustain the earth? You know, and how much did we pay God for all these things? For the beautiful gift of marriage? For the beautiful talents he's given us to make music, to write, to act, to paint, to, to, to draw, to construct, to build, to create. These are all given, God-given talents. How much did we pay for all those things? So why now do you let some rogue preacher convince you that by sowing certain seeds you're going to become wealthy, you're going to become healthy, you, you, you're going to have a partner, you're going to, you're going to have financial breakthrough. There's no phrase I hate more than that, financial breakthrough. Oh, they want to deliver you from your enemy, so you have all the deliverance. We're going to come back to this matter of deliverances and another nonsensical thing going, practice going on in what is called Christianity, which is totally unbiblical. 
And before you start thinking, oh yeah, the apostles delivered people from, from demonic spirits and all. Yes, but it's the, the way they did it. Is that what you're witnessing today? Definitely not. So, we'll talk about it. So, why is it? I mean, this God that these people advocate must be so poor. They'll tell, they will even tell you. I've watched them say things like, you know, you, you cannot activate God without money and God cannot do anything unless you sow this seed. Who are these mad men and women and what are they talking about? Who is their God? Because their God is certainly not the sovereign God of the Bible. Who has God everything? He himself gives us everything. There is nothing we can give to the Almighty that he himself did not give to us. What, do I want to give him a tithe of my earnings? Fair enough if I want to promote the gospel. But the only reason I've got it to give is because he has given me strength and the ability to work. So I'm not doing him a favor. What do I want to give? If I give my life back to Christ Jesus, it's because he gave me that life and he has redeemed that life himself. So the least I can do is to offer myself to him as a pure uh, and unholy person for his feet for his service. Because as we read in Romans chapter 8, God called us that we may be conformed to the likeness of his son, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He called us to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We are being called to brotherhood with Christ, even though he is Lord of our lives and our God. But we are being called to be like Christ. That is who a Christian is. Who is a Christian? One who, having realized his imperfection, his sinfulness, and believing the word of God that those who die in sin will be judged and eternally condemned, has sought Christ Jesus for salvation and received that gift of salvation, forgiveness in Christ because of his death on the cross, the blood he shed, as atoned for them. They believe that. And they believe that Jesus being God. Is able to forgive them. And will forgive them once they come. And now having come to Christ. They submit to him. Not just as savior. They've come to him as savior. Yes. They now submit to his lordship. He is lord of their lives. And these people turn their hearts from the world. That's repentance. They change their mind and they turn to Christ and he is Lord of their lives and they live for him. And every day strive more and more to be like Christ. They grow in Christ likeness and God is pleased to give them the Holy Spirit who inhabits them, who lives in them and with them and produces fruit in them, fruit of the Holy Spirit. What is this fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace. You see them in, um, in, in Galatians chapter 5. As a fruit of the Spirit that is produced in us. Uh, once we belong to Christ. And we are submitted to his Lordship. And the Holy Spirit of God now indwells us. And leads us in all righteousness. We produce the fruit of the Spirit. Which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A self-controlled person is not one who is running around looking for financial breakthrough. A self-controlled person is not one who is running around looking for miracles, miracle hunting everywhere, crusade to crusade, convention to convention. A self-controlled person is not one who is given to greed, who wants to be rich at all costs. Who, who has his eyes and lofty things of the world, must own a mansion, must build a mansion, must own a house in every corner of the world where they can do it, must buy the best watches, the best of jewelry, the best designer wear, the very best cars, the latest cars. Those are not self-controlled people. Those are the greedy. And the Bible makes it very clear that those, the, the you know, selfishly ambitious people, the greedy, have no, no share in the kingdom of God. Say so in uh, Galatians five nineteen, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Debauchery being free living, foolish living, empty living, disgraceful living, 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Such are many of the so-called pastors that you see today. And people still follow them. You're taking the word of them, you're ta- of those people over and above the word of the living God. You love them more than you like, more than you love Christ. You you hold them steadfastly in love. Why? Because of their sugar-coated tongues and what they're promising you. The promises of God are slow coming. The promises of God are not very good because there's nowhere God says we're going to be all millionaires because we we're His children. There's nowhere in the Bible that says so. There's nowhere in the Bible that says we're going to be in perfect health because we are Christians. There's nowhere in the Bible that says we are going to all have marriage and fantastic marriages at that are partners or we're all going to have children because we are Christians so people would rather have the word of charlatans and, and rogue preachers you have given them room to fester you have given them the increase and you know what you are you are victims but Christians are called to be victors so what are you a victor or a victim in false beliefs because you love what you're hearing. We're going to come to that. There's a lot to talk about concerning false doctrines and false teachings and false teachers. And there's so much to talk about. This is exactly what has infiltrated the world. And we were warned. The tragic thing is we were warned about their coming. So why are people now acting surprised? Why are people disbelieving the, the warnings of scripture or the, or, or, or the written word of God over and above what is going on? You'd rather embrace and accept it because a man has got many followers and many branches of a church. You automatically assume he's a servant of God. No, he's not. No, he's not. Satan has the capacity to ensnare many people of the world, and that's exactly what he's doing through this through these charlatans. That's exactly what he's doing. He set out to achieve that. He's achieving that, and he's doing very well. And shame on you if you say you're a Christian and you're contributing to this madness, because you know what? The end is going to be tragic. Really, really terrible really really terrible the end is judgment the end is eternal damnation the end is eternal separation from God yes eternal life for everybody yes but where with God or in hell hell is real it's as real as God's paradise we need to open our minds we need to open our eyes you need to pray for discernment a person has a large gathering. doesn't matter. They open in franchises. They accept everybody and anybody who wants to be a pastor. You know, people just choose to. Every failure in business, every failure in their career decides now to be a pastor. It's all over the place. This is something Africans are very prominent at doing nowadays. It's so, so common. And they're all there. So they attach themselves to a very big known church group. So that church in quotes... And they they accept it. They're readily accepted because you know all they have to do they they have certain obligations of sending certain percentage of their takings, their financial takings to to the general overseer or the daddy geo or headquarters, whatever it is they call it. And that's fine. You know they're free to do whatever the the fancy. Fleece people, lie to them, false teachings, false doctrines by people who are not called of God but who insist <laughs> on serving God. But the trouble is they're not even serving God. They're servants of Satan. Anyone who's got a gospel that's different to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is a servant of the devil. And don't say, oh yes, they do proclaim Jesus as Lord and they do say you should give your life to Christ and all that. Yeah, they cannot just come to you with outright lies. They have to quote, you know, wrap their lies in a little bit of truth. But there has to be consistency in the message of the gospel. If there's no consistency, there's a problem. We'll leave it at that uh, today. Um, and we'll continue on this uh, subject. We have a long way to go in the series of teachings, as I have said. We have a very long way to go. But um, for, for now, we'll end with a word of prayer. Eternal God and Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you praise. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your illumination of the word of God. We thank you, Father, for your word delivered to us that we may be free. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your truth that sets us free and makes us free indeed. We pray, O Lord, our God, for the spirit of discernment. We pray, O Lord, that you may continue to reveal your enemies. But even more importantly, that we ourselves as individuals may be gifted 
of you to know the truth. Fill us with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of your word, your will, and your ways, that we may come to know your truth and turn to you alone, uphold you alone as Lord, not just as Savior, but as Lord, that you may take control of our lives, that we may give all glory and all honor to you and to the Father. May our lives, O Lord, bring you glory according to your perfect purpose. Lord Jesus, in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.